Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. My name is Zanetta Adams. I am the Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, and today we're going to be talking about legal avenues that you can explore to assist with your claim. Now, many of you all know that uh, prior to this position, I actually um, served as an attorney helping veterans get connected to their compensation and pension benefits. And so we're gonna be talking about some of that today. Joining us will be Abigail Reynolds, a staff attorney with the National Veterans Legal Services Program, a nonprofit and lawyers serving Warriors Project. And also Richard Spataro, the Director of Training and Publications for the National Veterans Legal Services Program. We're going to be talking about opportunities that you can take advantage of at no cost to you um, as it relates to service compensation and pension and getting connected to discharge upgrade assistance. You don't want to miss this show. So we'll be right back on the Veterans Perspective talking about legal avenues. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. Again, today we're going to be talking about different legal avenues that are available to our veterans. You know, um, we recently teamed up with the National Veterans Legal Services Program, NVLSP, to help provide additional assistance, you know, after um, a BVA claim, a Board of Veterans Appeal claim doesn't go well, and, and helping to see if you can go to the next level with the Court of Appeals as well as helping and assisting with discharge upgrades. But there are so many different legal uh, service programs out there that could assist you at no cost. And, you know, before I get into those, you know, really just talking about, you know, uh, part of my practice, a big part of my practice um, when I was in a practicing attorney was helping veterans get connected to their compensation and pension appeals. Um, and a lot of the cases that I saw were at the Board of Veterans Appeals level. And, you know, I know it can be very frustrating um, to get told no. And I know that there are many veterans out there who maybe they're denied at the regional office level, you know, basically the first appeal and they stop. But I, I want to tell you, you know, have somebody look at your claim if you did it by yourself um, and take take a look at it. It doesn't have to be an attorney. It could be a veteran service officer, which we uh, provide access to through the NBAA. You can call us at 1-800-MISHVET, that's 1-800-642-4838, and we can get you connected to someone in your area, but we also can get you connected to some free legal assistance where they don't take a portion of your claim, and that's really important, and I, you know, we'll have some folks on today to talk about that and what that looks like so that you can get assistance. But the other thing is, is that you know, I saw a lot of veterans who um, were just at their wit's end, and they were at the point where they didn't know where to turn, and so they came they came to me and, and whether it be because they were looking for an increase um, to the amount that they were awarded or they were looking to, you know, get the right date of payment. So, for instance, they applied back in 2010. The VA only play, paid them from 2014. They want to figure that out and helped in, in those areas and even fought cases way back uh, 30 years from 30 years ago. So, you know, there, there are different avenues that... Um, a veteran service advocate, an accredited attorney can assist you with, with, but you want to make sure that you're getting the right assistance and somebody who understands what the law is. And so um, I wanted to just talk to you all about some of those opportunities. Now, you know, with the folks that we just partnered with, we'll talk a little bit more about this um, later, but they assist with discharge upgrades for veterans of all eras. 
They assist with combat-related special compensation claims. They assist with board, boards of correction for military records. So those who were either wrongfully discharged for personality or disorder or adjustment or disorder, or even like if you were discharged under don't ask, don't tell, or you know maybe you were a military sexual trauma survivor and you had PTSD. And so they assist with that as well. They assist veterans who wish to obtain disability retirement. Um, they also assist with VA claims for mental health and um, physical conditions. Again, like I mentioned, um, PTSD related to military sexual trauma. And then also applications to the Physical Disability Board of Review, which, you know, um, that was something I was very, very blessed that, um, you know, I was discharged um, on a medical retirement out of the military um, at 20%. And then um, the VA had a, a much higher rating for me. And so during the time that I was out, I believe it was back in 2015, 2016, um, uh, the President Obama at the time had a review of all uh, discharges where there was such a gap between VA, um, VA grants and the, the, the discharge from the military for the same issue. And so they pulled my record and looked at it. And then I was increased to 50% retirement from the military. So um, this is something that this group can assist with as well to make sure that you attain your permanent disability rating at the right rate. And then they also assist with um, representing service members that have been processed through the integrated disability evaluation system. There's also the Veteran Legal Institute, which provides pro bono legal assistance to homeless, at-risk, disabled, and low-income current and former service members to help with barriers in housing and healthcare and education and employment. You have um, Justice for Vets, which provides training and technical assistance to communities bringing together local, state, and federal resources to serve veterans involved in the justice system due to mental health disorders, trauma, substance abuse. I know you know we have veteran treatment courts, so if you get in that system, you should ask your court to see if they are participating in the veteran treatment court and can help you and help re either reduce your sentence if you go through the program um, and, 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 and all of those things as you're outside. There's also Lawyers for Heroes, which collaborates with the, the Military Officers Association of America, Public Counsel Law Center, and American Bar Association to provide a package of legal resources for family uh, military caregivers from multiple generations, the Military Pro Bono Project, and so many more, including Protect Our Defenders, the Veterans Consortium, Pro Bono Program, and the like. So, you know, we've partnered with the NVLSP to make sure that we are continuing to serve our veterans past the Board of Veterans Appeals uh, process, as well as with discharge upgrades. And we're gonna be speaking um, with them after the commercial break, but this is a show you definitely wanna tune into, whether you're someone who has received your disability already, someone who was denied disability and just decided, you know what, I don't wanna fight anymore. Um, have somebody else help you and fight for you. And so this is these, these are the services we're looking to provide and information that we're looking to provide and even some tips that maybe if you just want to continue to go through this yourself, you can get um, some tips from these um, folks who are assisting us as well. So you don't want to miss this show. And, and as always, if you want to be a guest on this show, please make sure you go to our michigan.gov slash MDAA website. You can go to the About Us page, scroll down to the bottom, click on the Veterans Perspective, and you can fill out the form. And, you know, if we uh, 
see that we we want to have you on the show or your your idea is is one that we want to put on one of our shows we'll make sure that we do that or reach out to you and as always you can call us at 1-800-MISHFET or if you need to contact the VA you can call 988 press 1 that's for the veterans crisis line or you can call 1-800-273-8255 press 1 in order to get assistance stick around get some paper out take some notes because this is a show you don't want to miss we'll be right back on the veterans perspective Welcome back to The Veterans Perspective. Please join me in welcoming our first guest to the show, Abigail Reynolds, a staff attorney with NVLSP's Lawyers Serving Warriors Project. While at the American University Washington College of Law, Ms. Reynolds interned at the Homeless Persons Representation Project working on veterans benefits and discharge upgrade cases and Legal Aid Society of the District of Columbia working on public benefits cases. She mentors and advises volunteer attorneys assisting veterans with claims for service-connected disability compensation involving allegations of military sexual trauma. She also mentors and advises volunteer attorneys representing veterans before the Discharge Review Boards and the Board of Correction of Military Records. Welcome to the show, Abigail. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. And so, you know, today's show, we're talking about legal avenues. And, you know, we are, you know, I'm very, very interested in having a conversation with you about discharge upgrades. As we know that, you know, service members have been discharged with a variety and different types of discharges, whether it be, you know, honorable being the one that everybody is the coveted, is the coveted, uh, discharge, but then other than honorable, general, under honorable conditions, dishonorable, you know, and everything in between. And so can you talk to us about one, the prevalence of the number of, and maybe you don't have that number, but like just the, the, the number of folks that you may see coming through with some of these discharge upgrade issues. Sure. So yeah, I, I don't have the exact number in front of me, but we get hundreds of applications per year of veterans who have less than honorable discharges um, that are coming to us for, you know, trying to get assistance with getting that discharge upgraded because it's, you know, as you know, the first step to getting a lot of these benefits that you're supposed to be entitled to as a veteran is having the right discharge status. So um, yeah, we see um, hundreds of these cases come through every single year um, and they're, they're the predominant case type that we work with with the Lawyer Serving Warriors program where I work. Um, so yeah, I'd say it's a pretty pretty prevalent problem. Well, and you know, I I know that there are people, for instance, who've gotten discharged because of uh, marijuana use, or you know, some of these other things that we know that uh, yeah, obviously it's not it's not something that you're supposed to do in the military. But um, as we see uh, issues with people with mental health issues dealing with drug and alcohol abuse, it. I don't know if there's a there's a right balance, right? You have some people who've been discharged for the same thing where some folks have been rehabilitated, right? And so those are those are some of the issues. And I know, you know, I've talked to some other states where they've seen a prevalence of of minorities too who deal with some of these things. But we're talking about discharge upgrades in this segment of the show. And somebody may not know what that is. What is a discharge upgrade? Sure. So when we're talking about a discharge upgrade, what we what we mean by that is filing an application with a review board that's located within the Department of Defense. And those boards have the authority to correct military records. So they have the authority to change or issue new records um, if the veteran meets certain criteria to have that status changed. 
Um, so they're looking for whether, essentially whether the discharge characterization that they currently have is unfair or is incorrect given you know a lot of different factors. Um, so like you said, a lot of times that involves uh, saying that the, the veteran was suffering from a mental health condition that led to their misconduct or led to the, the act that got them separated. Um, sometimes it also involves, you know, when veterans served uh, under a time of don't ask, don't tell, or the previous policy, there are specific guidances in place as well for um, veterans that were discharged for homosexuality or some other reason like that. Um, to have those discharges upgraded or the paperwork changed so that their, you know, their discharge paperwork doesn't say homosexuality explicitly as the reason for their discharge. Um, and yeah, uh, military sexual trauma or traumatic brain injury, all of those things are factors that the board is considering when they're deciding whether to grant the discharge upgrade. And so if they decide to grant you a discharge upgrade, they will issue a completely new DD-214, an honorable discharge certificate, all of your paperwork in your official record will be updated to reflect that new characterization that they've decided you're entitled to based off of you know all these factors we just talked about and you get to move forward with that characterization as your you know your main characterization when you show your paperwork to people when you go to the VA that's what it will say um, it changes your actual official record how successful have you all been? You know, you receiving hundreds of year, hundreds per year. Um, how successful have you been with getting some of those upgrades? Yeah, so I we don't really keep like track of percentages or anything like that, so I don't have a number for that. But we do a very thorough screening process at Lawyers Serving Warriors at MVLSP, um, where we go through the veterans' records once we receive them, and we determine whether there is you know, a meritorious argument. And a lot of times that's really what it takes. So we have a lot of veterans that come to us that have tried to apply on their own before, but they're just not familiar maybe with what the standards are or with the evidence that they need. And so that's really where it's a benefit to have someone um, like NVLSP and the attorneys that we work with on your side, kind of, you know, to, to paint the arguments out in, in, a, in a convincing way for the board and to gather all the evidence that you need. Um, you know, in a situation where maybe you just don't know what to do. Um, so we do generally see more success than um, kind of if you look at the general numbers of applications that are received um, by the board and kind of they publish some of those numbers. Um, but generally within NVLSP, we're a little more successful because again, we take that time to look through the records and we partner with the attorneys and give that kind of expertise that, that um, a lot of veterans just don't have because it's just not accessible. Yeah, that's that's great information. And and so we're talking about some of these upgrades. What are some of the common types that you come across? Reasons why people are seeking them? Sure. So a lot of the times what we're looking at is um, some kind of mental health condition that affected the veterans behavior and, you know, led to whatever their misconduct. So you brought up earlier, uh, you know, marijuana use. That's a really common thing that we see as a like coping mechanism when veterans are dealing with PTSD, either from you know, maybe they were in combat and suffered PTSD from that. Uh, maybe they were sexually assaulted in the military and they suffer PTSD from that. And then they turn to um, various drugs or alcohol or whatever as coping mechanism um, for that mental health condition. And that's really what you're looking for in a discharge upgrade is kind of trying to find that connection between the misconduct that happened that got you discharged and whatever other like factor might mitigate that. So something that connects to that, that explains the reason why you did whatever you did. Um, so mental health conditions are a big one that we see. Um, 
involving both like combat and military sexual trauma is a pretty common um, argument that we make. And then, like I said, the there's specific guidance that's kind of a little bit different that applies specifically for veterans that were discharged under Don't Ask, Don't Tell or a previous similar policy before Don't Ask, Don't Tell was in place. Um, and so we see a lot of those arguments as well as saying that, you know, the veteran, if if Don't Ask, Don't Tell was the only reason they were discharged, then they shouldn't have this, you know, general or other than honorable characterization because those policies are no longer in place and we've realized that they're not, you know, good policies to have anymore and things like that. Um, and another common thing that we see is where veterans have been discharged for many, many decades and have showed evidence of kind of character rehabilitation or, you know, their post-discharge conduct has been excellent and they have this kind of one incident that got them discharged with an OTH. Um, those are arguments we make as well, saying that essentially, you know, they shouldn't continue to be punished for this one mistake when they've really turned their life around and shown, um, you know, that they're a contributing member of society and all that. So I think those are the most common kind of arguments or, or types of um, factors that we look for that we see. Well, you know, this has been a great conversation. And, you know, before we wrap up, what is the cost to a veteran if they want to pursue getting a discharge upgrade through NVLSP? Absolutely. So NVLSP, we never charge a veteran a cent for our representation or our help. Um, the online application you fill out and you, we will then request your records and review them. And then if we place your case with one of our pro bono partner uh, law firms or attorneys or corporate counsel or, you know, our, our partners that we work with, uh, those attorneys take on the case absolutely for free. There's never, never a charge to a veteran uh, to, to work with us or to get help from us. And where can they find you? Which website? It's at nvlsp.org. Well, thank you so much, Abigail. So nvlsp.org. And as always, you can call us at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838 to find out more information. And we are so happy and pleased to be able to partner with NVLSP on, you know, discharge upgrades and some of the other things we're going to be talking about after the commercial break break. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing this great information today, Abigail. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you when we come back on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now, your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm Zanetta Adams, the director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency and the host of the Veterans Perspective. Joining us today is Rick Spataro. He is the director of training and publications for the National Veterans Legal Services Program. He's been an attorney with NVLSP and practiced veterans law since 2005. Prior to his legal career, he served as a surface warfare officer in the United States Navy. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Director Adams. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. And so, um, you know, Rick, we're talking about legal avenues and really trying to empower veterans to, to make sure that they are advocating for themselves to the fullest, whether that be, you know, whether that be by themselves or with an advocate such as yourself. And we just finished speaking with Abigail from your office um, regarding discharge upgrades, but I wanted to talk about something I, I think is more uh, prevalent, and that's uh, service-connected claims. And so can you talk a little bit about what you do and what you see at NVLSP as, a, as it relates to veterans and, and, and the VA? Absolutely. Uh, well, we do, there's, there's a couple 
several different areas that we work in at NVLSP. And um, with respect to disability compensation and pension, uh, we, we do two kind of two areas. Uh, the first one is direct representation. And we provide our representation at NVLSP primarily at the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. We recommend that most veterans seek represent, representation at the agency level, you know, the VA regional office when they're initially filing their claims and even appealing through the VA system internally all the way through the Board of Veterans Appeals. Um, we, rep, we recommend that they get help from a service organization like MVAA um, or a national service organization. Um, our organization, NVLSP, we primarily step in at the court level. Once the veteran has exhausted all internal VA um, appeal options um, and it's denied by the Board of Veterans Appeals, our organization looks at those decisions um, for organizations we work with or for any veteran who contacts us. And if we identify a legal error that we think can be successfully appealed to the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, we will offer to represent that veteran for free. Um, we've never charged a veteran a cent in any of our you know, 41 year existence. Um, so we have a lot of expertise at the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. And um, I, I'm in charge of our uh, training and publications department. So one thing that I do is I train advocates, um, you know, veteran service officers who do that work at the agency, at the, the regional office level and in the initial claim process, the initial review process. Um, you know, part of my job is to you know, act as a force multiplier, spread the knowledge, um, try to give them advocacy tips, try to make sure that they understand this very, very complicated law in a lot of respects. Um, you know, people, a lot of people think that you know, it's easy. I, I got hurt in service. I can file a disability claim. I'll get paid right away. But you and I both know that you know, there is regulations that the VA writes, um, you know, a huge book, thousands of pages of regulations. We have court decisions, um, which, you know, a lot of lay advocates aren't really, you know, they're, they're not as familiar with, um, you know, as, as attorneys. Um, but, you know, there's 35 volumes of veterans law decisions that really that guide the VA and that um, the VA is required to follow. There's the laws passed by Congress. So there's lots of different uh, different avenues, um, uh, lots, lots, lots of different guiding principles that the VA is required to follow, and that it's important for advocates to know about so they can um, you know, represent veterans to their fullest and make sure veterans get all of the veterans' benefits to which they're entitled. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, you mentioned, you know, you know I'm, I'm sure people out there listening are like, it's unbelievable that it's free. I mean, you're, you're attorneys, you have, you have to charge something and you're a nonprofit. So how are you, how are you um, staying afloat? And, you know, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about those EJA fees. Sure. Um, and just exactly what you mentioned, EJA fees is an important part of our funding. So there's a law called the Equal Access to Justice Act, which it doesn't just apply to veterans law cases. It applies to other areas of the law, but in our context text, essentially, if the government wrongs, you know, a citizen, you know, a veteran in this case, and the veteran has to go to court, the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, and we're successful at the court, in other words, the, and the, we can show that the VA erred, they made a mistake when they denied the claim, the VA is required to pay the veteran's attorney's fees. 
Now it's not at the same full rate that a, you know, a law firm might charge, you know, some law firms charge, you know, 300, 400, $500 an hour plus, you know, some of these big firms, even a thousand dollars an hour to help to, to work on a, you know, whatever case they might be working on. So it is limited, um, but it is enough to at least cover our expenses um, to help veterans. Uh, so that's, that is a very important way that we're able to make money, but not charge the veterans. So we can, again, pay our attorneys and, you know, make sure we're helping veterans. It's, it's a win-win situation for, for veterans. They don't, they don't have to pay anything. It doesn't come out of their past benefits. And, um, and we're able to, to do the work. Well, and that's that's great to hear because a lot of times, you know, by the time we get to the Board of Veterans Appeals level, you know, a lot of veterans are like, okay, this is the end of the road for me. It's too complicated to move on. Or some of them are working to 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 try to figure out how to move on by themselves. So knowing that they have this advocate here and that we're partnering with you all to do that is great. Uh, you know, as we're we're talking about claims, what are some of the common claims that you deal with? Because I know they're not all service connected, but uh, claims, but but what are some of the common ones? Well, the, the most common ones are service-connected disability claims for disabilities. I mean, really, it ranges from everything to mental disorders like PTSD um, to joint disabilities. It's very common. We handle a lot of joint disability claims, you know, bad backs, uh, bad knees um, that aren't properly rated. Usually, when we're talking about joint disabilities, it gets into whether the VA properly paid the veteran is paying them at the proper level. Um, but, and same with uh, disease like post-traumatic stress disorder, um, total disability ratings based on individual unemployability, where a veteran might, they can't work because of their service-connected disability, but if you looked at that disability alone and compared it with the way the VA rates disabilities, it wouldn't get the veteran 100% rating. So we have a lot of those cases. We deal with we handle survivor benefits claims as well. So not just here's where you get out, where we get outside the service-connected disability compensation. Um, survivors benefits. If a veteran passes away due to a service-connected disability, their surviving spouse, um, and sometimes um, if they have surviving minor children or even surviving uh, dependent parents, they might be entitled to a monthly benefit from the VA. Um, some other types of benefits we handle. Um, Section 1151 claims, which are almost like VA medical malpractice claims. The VA, if a veteran is injured, um, kind of as a result of negligence um, from VA healthcare, those claims are treated, those disabilities, the resulting disability is treated as if it is service connected, as, it, as if it was related to the veteran's military service for purposes of VA benefits. So sometimes we handle some of those claims, but the vast majority relate to you know, your, your disabilities that were incurred in service. Um, sometimes pension claims, I guess those are some other claims that we handle. Mm -hmm. uh, so if this is when a veteran is unable to work, but the disability, because of disability, but the disability is not related to service. And this is a benefit that the VA provides for very low income veterans who serve during wartime. Um, so it's, it's a, it's, it's not everyone who would be entitled to this, but it's another type of claim that we commonly work on. Well, that's great. And I know, you know, the good thing is, is that we are going to be speaking with you in our next segment. So uh, this is not all the information that we have. I know um, people are listening in and they're, they're tuning in to find out more. So, you know, we come back after the commercial break, we will be talking about um, 
some of the ways that you can get access to this uh, opportunity, as well as some of the, the mistakes that we commonly see in respect to benefits and disability uh, claims as well. So uh, thanks, uh, Rick. We'll be right back um, on the Veterans Perspective to talk more about legal avenues um, with uh, Rick from NVLSP. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. We are talking with Richard Spataro from NVLSP. And we've been talking about claims and really how to get connected to the Court of Appeals um, assistance through the NVLSP. So, you know, we were just talking about um, we were just talking about the types of claims. You know, question for you. Let's say I had a claim. I was denied at the Board of Veterans Appeals level, but that was like three years ago. How would I go about reopening it to move forward? Or is that a possibility? Sure. If you were denied in the past um, and the decision became final, which generally means that the veteran didn't take action within one year of notice of that decision to appeal it, to either file a, a supplemental claim, to appeal to the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims, in the new VA appeal system that went into effect uh, about two years ago, two and a half years ago, now veterans really have one primary option and one other option I'll mention briefly. Um, the, the best way is to file a supplemental claim. It's filed on a VA form 20-0995. It's a very specific form a veteran has to use, which your advocates would know about. So, you know, veterans should reach out to MVAA um, about that. But they'll need to provide some new and relevant evidence is the legal standard. It's, it's a very low standard, but, um, you know, anything that relates to the disability that you're trying to get benefits for, which should generally be considered new and relevant. But ultimately, in order to get those benefits awarded, it's not just enough to submit new and relevant evidence. You're going to have to prove all of the elements of the claim. And when we're talking about a service-connected disability claim, you're looking at you have to prove that you have a current disability. You're currently diagnosed or have symptoms of a disability. If something happened to you in service or you were exposed to something in service, you had some injury or disease in service, and then there's a link between the two, something that connects the two together. And you really want to look at why did the VA deny the claim in the past? And you probably want to focus your new evidence on that reason, um, at least to ultimately be awarded benefits. You're going to need to prove that, that those elements of the claim. Well, that's great information. So what I'm, I'm hearing is that, you know, if you're interested in, in trying to reopen your claim um, that was denied at that BVA level, you want to reach out to maybe MVAA or your local veteran service organization. And you can always reach us at uh, 1-800-MISHVET and um, have someone help to reopen your claim through that supplemental uh, process, claim process. And then if it's denied again at the BVA level, then it's something that you all can take a look at to see if it warrants moving forward to the Court of uh, Appeal. Correct? Absolutely. And under our, our new memorandum of agreement with MVAA, we will look at any Board of Veterans Appeals decision in which a veteran who is represented by MVAA is denied by the Board of Veterans Appeals. And we will, any, if we see any issue that we think we can, um, again, um, have a decent chance of winning at the court, we will take that case pro bono. And we typically, probably in, in the cases that we look at, we probably find errors in about 20% of those board decisions that we review. And 
in those cases that we take to the court, if the veteran accepts our free representation, we have an extremely high success rate. We win over 90% of the time, um, probably about 95% of the time. Um, so we, we, we know our stuff. We know when the board commits an error. Um, and there are lots of errors that the board does commit. So um, we think that, you know, you'll be in good hands with us if you, if you accept our representation. And again, it's completely free to you as a veteran. Well, you know, and I remember when I was practicing helping veterans, some of the common ones that I saw um, about, you know, a lot of it was the, the balance weighing in favor of the veteran and some of these other things that were, or, or, or information that was overlooked. What are some of the errors or mistakes that you commonly see um, in respect to uh, claims for disability benefits? Sure. Probably the most common ones we see are the VA providing inadequate examinations to veterans. Um, the VA has a duty to assist veterans um, in developing their claims. And part of that duty in many cases includes providing the veteran with an examination. And that examination and medical opinion might be to address, first of all, whether a disease is related to service. And second of all, what, how bad the disease is. What's the severity of the disability so that we can know what disability rating to apply and how much money to pay the veteran? And frequently, I mean, there's, there, there's so many reasons that examinations are inadequate, but some common ones that we see are that the VA doesn't properly consider the veterans lay evidence. What they tell the doctor, what they've told the VA about how bad their disability is, what, what happened to them in service, what symptoms they've, they've, that have, they've been experiencing over the years. The VA really, lay evidence is a type of evidence and veterans, if you're competent to talk about what happened to you, um, what you're experiencing, that, you, you know, as long as you are believable and credible, that is just as good or should be just as good as something that's in writing. And, and the VA historically has really, their adjudicators really focus on, uh, you know, they have this mentality that if it's not in writing, if it's not documented in the service treatment records, um, then it didn't happen. But we know that not everything gets documented. We know that veterans don't always go to the doctor when they're you know, experiencing pain or symptoms, you know, lot, there's lots of different reasons why the people don't go to get doctors, not just veterans, anybody. Um, but we do, we do see that the VA really doesn't treat lay evidence very well. And that includes doctors who don't consider that lay evidence um, very well. Um, so that's a pretty big problem. Um, they might base their opinions on something that's inaccurate. They might say that, oh, well, I don't think the veteran's disability is related to service because he didn't injure his knee in service, but you look through those records and you see a service treatment record that, you know, buried in there, it shows the veteran did complain of a knee, you know, injuring his knee. And, you know, it's just in very bad cursive from, you know, the 1970s <laughs> and when they didn't have medical treatment, you know, electronic records, things like that. So we, we do see a lot of problems with VA examinations. Um, that's probably the most common. Uh, some other ones include the VA, uh, not addressing the ameliorator, ameliorative effects of medication. Um, with, sometimes if a veteran's disability rating is not supposed to consider the effects of medication, um, the veteran will be examined when they're on medication. And the VA will base that disability rating on what the veteran's symptoms are while they're medicated. And they can do that in some cases um, if, if the disability rating criteria takes that into account. Um, but in other cases, the VA really should address how bad the condition is when the veteran is not medicated. 
Now we don't want veterans to go off medication uh, because you know that'd be we don't want them to do anything harmful to their health. But we also so so we just need the VA to offer opinions, which is all they need here. We're talking about the the benefit of the doubt standard you alluded to earlier. You know, doctors have to provide an opinion on how bad a condition would be if the veteran wasn't on medication. That's another type of error that we see. Um, we're talking about TDIU claims, which is that total disability ratings based on individual unemployability. Mm -hmm. Often the VA doesn't consider the veteran's educational and occupational history, which they are required to do when they're trying to determine if a veteran's disability prevents them from working. Um, so there's lots of, lots of, those are some common errors we see. I mean, I could, I could talk about this for hours and I know we only have a limited amount of time, so I won't, I won't ramble on too much longer here. No, that's great information. And I would just encourage, you know, anyone out there who's looking at, you know, uh, filing a claim, you know, our hope is that you don't have to get to the point of court of appeals, but you know, it's, it is a daunting process. I mean, all the things that you talk about, you know, um, it should be, um, it should be available and easy for just a veteran to be able to do their claim, but we know the reality is that it's not. So I encourage everyone to reach out to, to get an advocate. If you don't have a veteran service officer, you can call us and we can get you connected to one. And then um, if you're at the point where you have a BVA appeal that was recently denied and you want um, someone to take a look at it, MVLSP is a great resource. And their website is mvlsp.org. And just remember that if you are, um, if you have a power of attorney um, with the MVAA and that case has just come um, out, then um, we will be looking at making sure that gets over to MVLSP as well. So I just want to thank you so much for your time today, Rick, and for joining us and sharing this great information. And we look forward to working with you. You're very welcome. It was great talking with you, Director Adams. It's been a, a pleasure this, this afternoon and or this uh, it's been a pleasure today, and we are um, very excited to enter into our MOA and to, to have an agreement with uh, and have a relationship with MBAA. Absolutely. All right. We'll see you all.